Hey community, welcome to our sermon podcast for wanderers, seekers, and thinkers, for deconstructing and reconstructing. This is a feed of Open Door Church, a faith community focused on God's love and grace, a progressive church built around action, community, and people. Enjoy this week's message and check back often as we're posting new content every week. I was very hesitant to take on Romans from this spot uh, for a few reasons. Uh, one specifically is that Romans uh, and, and Paul in general is a sore spot for a lot of people, uh, me included, not just in, um, well, let's, I mean, just go ahead and lay it out there, okay? So uh, Paul doesn't always have. Uh, let me back up. Paul gets used in a lot of ways that are very destructive to our communities. How about that? And uh, and destructive in ways that uh, belittle, demean, marginalize, and push people out of church, push people to the edges of church, push people out of. Uh, leadership or being full members of community and uh, and and Romans actually Romans one is a is has been a large piece of that along with with other letters of his uh, so I was hesitant to really grasp on to Romans and say how do we do this so um, but the deal is I I think that we have I think all of that's been an abuse of Paul and an abuse of the letters that have been written. And I, I believe that there is a way of recovering or rescuing Paul from the church as a whole. Uh, so I'm toying with, not that I'm always worried about uh, titles, but I'm toying with this as, as, saving, as the series called Saving Romans from the Church or something like that. Anyway, we're two weeks in. We've given up on that. Uh, so I just, I just wanted to lay that out front. I will probably lay that out every single week that we continue on Romans because, uh, because I think it's a significant thing for us to identify. One, that we've been, uh, hurt and damaged by Romans and, and Paul in general. And, uh, and we don't need to ignore that in order to address and learn and Grow and use uh, and use the and use Romans. The other thing about Romans, obviously, is that it is super dense with Paul's theology, which makes it really tough to take on in a, in any kind of timeline. I mean, really, you could you could take each paragraph of Romans and take a week on it, which we wouldn't be finished until 2021, and that seems like a long time to work through Romans. So. Uh, we're going to do our best to just address blocks and chunks of things, and uh, and and we'll move on. I do want to lay this one last caveat. I do want to lay out an offer to work through finer details of Romans with anybody that is interested. Uh, it, like I said, it's a lot to handle. I understand that. We can't do that in 20 minutes. I don't like to do the 45-minute things, so... Uh, so here we are. If that's something that you would be interested in, let's talk and see if we can figure out a time to just sort of walk through different pieces here or there. 
Okay, now on to the show. And David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and I struck it and killed it. Okay, that's not from Romans. But when I was younger, because I went to a a small Christian private school, and one of the great fun things about Christian schools is that you get to go and do these Bible competitions in other cities. And, and for weeks, I, I entered into a, a Bible reading contest. Okay? You ready for that? And for weeks this year, there's a different passage the next year and the next year, uh, for weeks, I spent time combing through David and Goliath, fine-tuning it, uh, removing things that were extra and were not exciting and weren't necessary, and working on the inflections. And I had it, I had it in my Bible, printed with with notes on pauses and how to how to deliver this piece or that piece. And I will have you know that I walked away with a gold medal. And thank you. And the, the significance has nothing to do with anything, except this morning I want to talk about Phoebe, who delivers Paul's letter. And, and the time that I spent preparing on each syllable, on each phrase, on each enunciation and inflection, and, and whether we needed a place of sympathy, or a place of strength, or a place of, uh, of uh, sort of dirtiness that you're exp- that you're supposed to experience when when Goliath says uh, when when sorry see it's been a while when Goliath says am I a dog that you come at me with sticks and the Philistine cursed David by his gods every single syllable was was addressed and was focused on. And when a letter was written in the times that Paul is writing, the same thing is happening. Paul spent weeks writing this letter to the Romans. And it feels that way because it's super dense. But it's not just because it's dense. It is because everything has to be perfect. And on top of that, Phoebe, sorry, we haven't read that yet. Phoebe is going to deliver this letter, and Phoebe would have also spent weeks preparing to deliver this letter. In fact, she would have spent preparing to perform the letter, to present it, just like I did in that Bible competition where I won the gold medal. Did I mention that? Sorry, that was... Uh, she would have spent weeks in conversation with Paul. She is Paul's voice. She is Paul's face to this letter. 
So when he hands over a letter to her and says, here, take this to the communities in Rome so that they might hear my words, he is handing with her the authority of his words and the interpretation of his letter. Now, we read this letter and we go, wait a second, what does that mean? Wait a second, what about this? Are you talking about me or are you talking about somebody else? We ask all of those questions, and just like our questions, the early church, the church in Rome, would have received this letter, and they would have been like, wait a second, did you just say this? And guess what? Phoebe, the voice, the face of Paul that is performing this, that is presenting this, is the one who is able to answer those questions. It's not a huge stretch to go, why is this significant? Uh, so let's talk, let's go back, uh, because I skipped this. Chapter 16, uh, because this is important for us to read the whole letter. Chapter 16, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Sincre, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints and help her in whatever she may require from you, for she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. Phoebe is delivering this letter and speaks with the authority of Paul when she does so. Is it surprising that over time the church has questioned whether Phoebe is the right name? You know, we've had translations where we actually go back and we say, we must have gotten this name wrong. So maybe if we just scrub it and write in a male's name here, we'll get it right because there's no way that Phoebe, a woman, could have had this kind of authority and this kind of prominence in the early church. Paul handed over this letter in a way that overturns the status quo of the listener of the reader, of the system in place. It is impossible to read Romans without recognizing that the person who is delivering Romans as a letter is someone who by nature of doing so overturns the structure of the society at large. We have to start there because it is a huge statement for him to entrust this letter to this woman. And so often we have these, this is, this is not, this is not what I'm doing with this. So often we have these arguments and these debates and we have, what can women do this? Can women do that? Can we, I grew up in a church where a woman couldn't do anything. We had a praise team that had women on it and we got letters for that. Just for what it's worth. This is, this is overturning the system that is in place. Uh, Scott McKnight begins his book on Romans telling us we need to read Romans as a, as a narrative about power and privilege. He says, he tells a story, he starts with a story. In 1953, there was a church in, I think it's Alabama, maybe Georgia, um, but you get the idea. And uh, a family that owned a farm 
down the road from the church, brought uh, to the church one week a uh, an Indian Hindu, a Hindu Indian woman or man, it doesn't matter, to the church. And this upset some people in the church. And on account of them bringing her to church, not because she needed to hear the gospel or something like that, but because of her dark skin, on account of bringing her with her dark skin to church, the community voted to remove, not her, but the couple who brought her and all of the farm, Koinonia farm, anyone that came from that farm to be a part of the church. For bringing someone of color to the church, the entire family was expelled from the church. McKnight says, this is the place from which we need to read the story of Romans. What's happening in Rome and what's happening in the church at large is a growing division between Gentile and Jewish Christians. And throughout Romans, if we read from the proper place, if we identify the things that are significant, we will see over and over and over, Paul is concerned more about a unified community that is welcoming to every single person that desires to join. And again and again, he's asking them, what you are judging people and the superiority that you are experiencing in your own self, all of this is problematic for the gospel because that is not what Jesus was doing. That's the place from which Paul writes. And to to tip his hand, he begins by sending Phoebe to present and perform the letter. McKnight writes, every <clears throat> the letter of Romans is first and foremost about power and privilege and overturning the systems in place. I find that significant because we have taken Romans and subsequent letters from Paul And we have taken all of them, and more often than not, Paul is actually being used to prop up oppressive and marginalized systems in our churches and in our communities, in our homes, in our family structures. And Paul actually is giving us the reverse, and we are so entrenched in our ideology and in our theology that we can't even fathom, we can't even read what Paul is actually writing because we've been taught and we've been brought up through a system that, that uses Paul in just the opposite tradition. 
So let's back up just a little bit. We're going to see this over and over again. Uh, another suggestion that happens is that we start with Romans 1, and Paul goes through like all of this theology and does all of this work, and by the time he gets to his point, <laughs> by the time he gets to what he's really driving at, we've, we've, we're lost in the details of chapters 1 through 8. But Paul actually is, is looking at 9 to 12, or 9 to 11, and 12 to 15 as his, his primary uh, his his point and his what he's driving at. Um, so we're going to read a little bit from 15 and read this from the place of that church in Alabama or Georgia or wherever it is. Welcome one another. Therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul spends an enormous amount of time throughout Romans attempting to bring together Gentiles and Jewish Christians so that they can function and live and, and do the work of God together. There's a side point happening here. Uh, <clears throat> Paul's going to say in the next little bit right there, he's going to say, you know that I've always wanted to come visit. Well, here's the deal. He's been spend, spend, spending um, all of his time in Asia and down and through this region over here with uh, Corinth and uh, and all of, and the churches out this way. And, uh, and he's ready to go across to Italy, spend some time in Rome, who he's never met and doesn't know, and then use Rome as a hub to go. I know this makes a whole lot of sense. It's like my dad explaining a map of a region in a car while he's driving with his hands, and I get nothing out of it. Um, anyway. Asia, Italy, Rome, and he wants to come to Spain, where they call the barbarians, and to preach the gospel and tell people about Jesus and this amazing news that he has. But he needs this church in Rome, I think we're like here, in Rome, to to use as like a hub, and he needs them to give him money so that he can keep going on to Spain and then come back and then do some more and come back. But they don't know him. So a large part of this gospel, uh, excuse me, of this, uh, of this letter is about Paul convincing him, convincing them that he has the authority to do this and that they have a need to care about the barbarians and people that 
they also view as other and as marginalized and that don't matter. So we have the the Jewish Christians that are looking down on the Gentile Christians and the Gentile Christians that are that are Roman and are built in this uh, in this system and this uh, culture of honor. And in the culture of honor, you have no honor if you are barbarian or if you are a slave or if you are a freed slave or if you are uh, on the underside of the economic and power picture of the of society. So he needs to do two things here. One, bring churches together that are opposed to one another because of who they are and who they think that they have more superiority over another. And two, he has to convince them that God is cares for, loves, wishes for everyone to be a part of this. I can't emphasize his motives enough, and I, I don't, I'm not exactly even sure how else to put it, but the entire driving point of Romans is, is for us to recognize that the, the things that we cling to, power and privilege and honor in the, in the Roman world, are antithetical to the work that God has called us to do. And create a community that is not worth its weight. Because because in Christ, we are all one. And that's that's what Paul is reaching for. That's what Paul is calling these churches to understand. And then we take Paul and we rip it up and we pull out the details and we, we, try, to, we try to make it about, about control and structure and power on the flip side. And actually, Paul is asking us to give up our power, to find in ourselves the humility and to experience the community of God as equals and as welcoming and as hospitable as Jesus has called us to be. We get bogged down with Romans because it has so much stuff going on. And if, okay, a large, large portion of what we do with Romans is we talk about grace versus the law, right? But this is an old way of thinking about things. Let me explain. If you are a follower of Calvin in the 17th century and you need to explain why all the Catholics are wrong, your interpretation of Romans is strictly and solely focused on, he says, grace in faith. Grace in faith. We receive God's uh, love and salvation through faith. Over and over. And if you are um, in that argument, that's all you're going to see. But around the 70s, 1970s, scholarship began to recognize that actually this letter was written in a time and place. Imagine that. By a specific person, to a specific people. It's not a general letter writing a treatise on grace. It is a specific letter writing to a specific group of churches in Rome that are dealing with very specific things 
and a, an upwelling of hate and rejection and marginalization and oppression that does that has no place in the kingdom of God. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Open Door Church. Our intro and outro music was created by Lee Rosevere and is used under a Creative Commons by Attribution license. Have a great week. Ask the hard questions and explore God's love. Everyone is always welcome to join the journey with us at Open Door. Learn more at opendoorfamily.ca. That's opendoorfamily.ca.